Please join me in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Well, I suspect like many of you, I have taken some time this past week to think about those things for which I am grateful. And based on the challenge that I knew Jean would be giving us this morning, I tried to think less of the concrete, tangible things and more of the intangible things. And so a few things that I came up with, some of which are tangible, I realize, but you'll get the point. For the group of girlfriends that I had dinner with in January in Indiana, a gathering time of friendships that lasted over decades, it was one of the highlights of my year. For persons who came and helped me with projects around my house this year, those whom you might know, Rick Barley, Don Hershey, Herb Crable, Jay Roth, I have a lot of needs, Linford and Marietta King, Wilson Roth, Sheldon and Naomi Martin. Having a housemate who not only offers good companionship, but actually likes cleaning bathrooms and emptying out mousetraps. Releasing my grandmother from this life to the next. And after weeks and weeks of searching, I am embarrassed to admit that I was joyful when I finally found my prayer journal. There's something very powerful about naming those things in our lives for which we are grateful. The power of gratitude is a powerful emotion. Dennis Prager, in his book, Happiness is a Serious Problem, wrote, There is a secret to happiness, and it is gratitude. All, pe- all happy people are grateful, and ungrateful people cannot be happy. Beca- become grateful, and you will become a much happier person. Jeff Jacoby says that this quote is a keen observation, and it helps to explain to us why the Judeo-Christian tradition of which we are a part places so much emphasis on the need to thank God. I mean, we read about it all the time in the Psalms and in lots of other texts. It's good to give thanks to the Lord. Why? Why is that the case? Does God need our gratitude? No. But we do. Learning to be thankful, whether to God or to other people, is the best vaccination against turning good fortune for granted. And the less you take things for granted, the more pleasure and joy life will bring you. And it's one reason that Prager goes on to explain that religious, sincerely practiced religiously and seriously practiced faith leads to happiness. It ingrains the habits of thankfulness into our life. Well, I'm all for people being happy. 
I like being around people who are happy. And to a certain extent, I definitely agree with Prager and Jacoby's theories about the correlation between gratitude and happiness in our lives. But I'm still not convinced that the sole purpose of gratitude, especially our gratitude to God, is to find happiness. It is an excellent fringe benefit, and one worth noting, and one worth enjoying, but I don't think that the purpose of gratitude, especially in the realm of the Christian faith, is merely to make us happier people. Mary Lou read to us from the text of Deuteronomy, and I appreciated the context in which she put it. Uh, The Israelites were coming just out of the land, the wilderness land, and they were about ready to enter this promised land. Now, keep in mind that they had been out there struggling for over 40 years. So most of these people, a vast majority of them, have never known life outside of the wilderness. They were born into this, and they've lived this way all of their life. Of course, there are some people who have, but even their memories would be a bit foggy of what life was like before the wilderness. And so Moses, as Mary Lou said, through God's command, thought, I need to remind them of a few things. You see, they had only known life through God's provision, through the manna, through the quail, through the other thing, through the light that led them. God had been providing for them. And soon they were going to cross over this Jordan River and enter this land of promise, which, according to this text, was filled with the most amazing things blessings and abundance beyond their imagination. Moses had to stop and wonder, were they prepared for all of this? Were they prepared for the ordinary working lives when this manna would stop suddenly appearing each morning? In chapter 8, those verses, Moses reminds the children of Israel to be thankful and to keep the commandments. But Moses' speech and his encouragement to them were not merely a parent trying to encourage his children to be grateful, to be thankful, as many parents do many of the times when when a child is given something. Now, what do you say? Moses knew that there's a strong relationship between faith and memory. Memory reminds us of how gracious God is to each of us, even before our awareness of the goodness of God is revealed. Memory reminds us of how gracious God is to each of us, even before our awareness of the goodness of God is revealed. You see, memory builds faith, especially during those times that we're faced with trials. Memory then also encourages thanksgiving, When we remember what we were before this time and we look at where we are now, we either have to thank God for the progress or at least for keeping us sane through the journey. In my office in my home when I lived in Indiana, I had seen in a magazine somewhere, I don't even remember which magazine, it was a full picture page and it had this beautiful floral scene of a big, of a big uh, field with flowers. And on it said the quote from Meister Eckhart. It said, if the only prayer you ever say in your entire life is thank you, it will be enough. 
I really liked that. So I ripped that out of the magazine and I hung it on my bookshelf. And most every day I would walk by because it was the first thing I would see when I would walk into the room. And every day I would read, if the only prayer you ever say in your entire life is thank you, it will be enough. A few weeks passed, and in fact a couple of months, and then one day I stood in front of that. And I said, is it really enough? If all I say to God is thank you, have I said enough? What about the times that I need confession? What about the times that I've said sinned? Is just saying thank you enough? Can I fully worship God by just saying thank you? It began to bother me so much that after a few weeks, I took down the piece of paper. I didn't really like it anymore. I thought there had to be more to my prayer life. I knew that we had to say more than just thank you to God. In Deuteronomy 8, the people of Israel were entering the promised land. And Moses, knowing that they would experience many, many blessings from God, was cautious about them, knowing their strong humanity and their weaknesses. Bob Stump writes, there is a danger in prosperity, the kind of prosperity that these Israelites would be finding in the promised land. And that danger is forgetfulness. It is the danger of thinking that somehow you reached prosperity all on your own. We make much of being self-made people. Rugged individualism is the foundation of our country, Stump wrote. It is part of what makes us great. There is much positive in being self-made. In fact, there's nothing wrong with that. After all, you're not a burden to anybody. What you have is the result of the labor of your own hands and the creativity of your mind. But as Moses knew, there is one danger, and that danger is pride. The thought that we made it all on our own Moses knew that there was absolutely no way that the Israelites could have made it on this journey without God's leading. So Moses was worried that the expression of gratitude that the Israelites should have been expressing would actually be left behind in the wilderness and would be replaced with the emotion of pride. I mean, after all, we've wandered around in this wilderness for 40 years. We deserve all this promised land. We are God's people after all. So Moses noticed and noted the danger in prosperity as he spoke to the people of Israel. And he said, do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, so that God may confirm the covenant that God swore to your ancestors, as God is doing today. Jeff Jacoby says, in a sense, gratitude is actually an expression of modesty. In Hebrew, I didn't know this before this week, the Hebrew word for gratitude is the same word for confession. Ah, maybe Meister Eckhart had something going here. The word for gratitude in Hebrew is the same word for confession. And Jeff Jacoby wrote, to offer thanks is to confess our dependence 
to, to acknowledge that others have the power to benefit you, to admit that your life is better because of their efforts. And that frame of mind is indispensable to a civilized society. And it was this dependence on God, this acknowledgement, this expression of modesty through gratitude that Moses wanted to impose and encourage on his people. So if we set pride apart, acknowledging that pride doesn't need to be part of this mix, in fact, can't be part of this mix, and we don't assume that we've earned the things that we've got, is it still enough just to say thank you? Well, then we come upon ten lepers, as Jesus did. Jesus was walking along, and he was walking through some somewhat foreign land, a region between Samaria and Galilee. And he came to this village. And now from a distance were ten lepers because, of course, if you were a leper, you weren't allowed to get near anybody because you would make them unclean. Typically, in fact, if you got too close, they would start screaming, unclean, unclean, so that the person would know not to come closer. But these ten lepers called to Jesus from a distance, appropriately so, And they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And so Jesus stopped. And he looked at them. And from a distance, it doesn't say that he went and touched them. From a distance, he says, go and show yourselves to the priests. because it was the priest who would have to identify if a leper were truly clean and be able to be part of society again. And that's what Jesus told them to do. Go and show yourself to the priest. It often surprises me when I read texts that the first time you read through them, you don't catch things. But when you go through and start looking for things, the more subtle things pop out. And in this text, and if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to read, to turn to Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. It's often good to look at the verbs. What is the action taking place here? And in verse 14, we see that Jesus saw the lepers. Well, of course he saw the lepers. I mean, that's what Jesus did. He looked around and saw people. There's nothing profound there. But when we read this text within the context, which is why reading the Bible has to be a big picture thing, you go back and you start reading the previous paragraphs, the previous chapter, and we realize that this has a multiple meaning, seeing. And in fact, later on in the text, as we know from when Dirk read it, one of the lepers, only one, one of the ten, Verse 15, then, when, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. When he saw that he was healed. So imagine that revelation of him when he looked down at his body and he saw that he was healed and he returned. So seeing is a very important part of this passage. And it's a verb that we can very easily skip over. Because it means, in this context of Luke, that it means more than just physical sight. 
It means, on one hand, perceiving the opportunity to be merciful towards another. And on the other hand, it means the recognition that God's mercy has touched one's life. You see, before this text was the Samaritan, the the passage of the Good Samaritan. And again, the verb see and saw was very important in that text. The Samaritan was the one who saw the person most fully. What do we see in our lives? Gratitude in a Christian context is more than just acknowledging God's giving in our lives. It means seeing the many ways in which God's mercy has entered our lives, even when we didn't deserve it. The Israelites didn't deserve all that they got in the promised land, especially after their behavior for 40 years. The lepers, who am I to judge whether they deserved it? But the interesting thing is they didn't even ask for healing. They just asked for mercy. And that's the part of Meister Eckert's quote. If, all you ha- if the only prayer you ever say is thank you, that will be enough that I missed. It was thanking God for God's mercy. You see, the 10th leper, the one that came back, had the proper response to God's saving mercy. This is the one who came back. And it's not presumptive that it's something that we deserve. The 10th leper knew that he didn't ask for this. It wasn't something he deserved. But he came back with this untainted gratitude towards Jesus and pure praise for God and for God's saving mercy. And so we see the second part of gratitude in which Jesus did when he saw the 10th leopard. And he perceived the opportunity to be even more merciful to another. In the preceding chapter, in chapter 17, verse 5, I'm sorry, in uh, verse 17, I mean verse 5 of chapter 17, the story of the lepers, we find the disciples pleading with Jesus. And they're saying, please, Jesus, please increase our faith. Can you imagine standing at Jesus' feet and saying, please, Jesus, increase our faith? You see, typically when strangers would come to Jesus and seeking healing, they would come and Jesus would heal them because of their expression of faith, because of their interest and their acknowledgement of his power. But the lepers never asked for healing specifically. They asked for mercy. So while Jesus did indeed show mercy to them by talking to them, by offering healing to them, he went beyond what they had asked. But it was the one leper. When he saw what Jesus had done, that came back to express his faith. Only one leper came back to express thanks. It is then, it is then at this point that Jesus declares this leper well as a result of faith. So his faith, in the end, is what makes him well. When Jesus said, your faith has saved you, it was the leper's faith that was not expressed by the request. 
for help, but it was by, for the expression of gratitude and praise of God. The other nine were healed, but only this one received Jesus' declaration of salvation. They all got what they wanted, but this tenth leper received far more than he had ever dreamed of asking for. As I said earlier, the important verb in this passage is see, S-E-E. What do we see? And what do we do when we see? When Jesus saw the needs, he healed. When the tenth leper saw what had been happening to him, when he, that he had been physically healed, he didn't just celebrate, which would have been very appropriate, but he went back to Jesus to express his gratitude. One commentary in Luke said that gratitude may be the purest measure of one's character and spiritual condition. The absence of the ability to be grateful reveals self-centeredness of the attitude that I deserve more than I ever get. So I don't need to be grateful. The story of the lepers challenges us to regard gratitude as an expression of faith. Does gratitude follow from faith? Or is gratitude an expression in and of itself of faith? Faith, like gratitude, is our response to the grace of God as we have experienced it. For those who have become aware of God's grace, all of life is infused with a sense of gratitude. And each encounter becomes an opportunity to see and respond in the spirit of the grateful leper. It's easy to live this out in big ways, but I'm often challenged in small ways to live out this gratitude to God that I don't feel like I need to go back and say thank you to God and be done with it. But what God calls us to, what Jesus is portraying to us, is that out of gratitude, then, we start behaving in God-like ways. A small example, very small. This past week, I was at Wawa. I was buying a Diet Coke in an effort to keep me awake before a long drive. And I was waiting in line behind a middle-aged, well-dressed man who was buying a bottle of Powerade. He put down the Powerade, and he put down a coupon. It was for a free bottle of Powerade. I was impressed. I like coupons. But what he didn't realize is that Powerade, Powerade has tax on it, and the coupon doesn't cover tax. And so his bill was 12 cents. The clerk explained to him why it was 12 cents, and I realized, too, at the time, watching, standing there, and the man felt in his pockets, no change. He pulled out his wallet, no cash. And he didn't know what to do, but then he's like, oh, well, and he pulled out his credit card. And he proceeded to swipe his credit card. And I was standing there, and right before he got to the thing, I said, wait. I said, I'll just pay the 12 cents for you. And he looked at me, and he just very quickly, very appropriately said, thank you. And I said, you're welcome. Just pay it forward. And he walked away very appropriately. He didn't overdo the thank you, which actually I was kind of grateful for. It was only 12 cents after all. But I think he got the point. 
pay it forward. It's one of my favorite phrases to say. Many of us struggle with the idea of receiving. It's one of the most interesting things I find in, um, in working with many of you as you are going through a difficult time in receiving meals or receiving whatever from the church. People say it's so hard to take it. It's so much easier to give it. We're often much better at the giving than the receiving, even though it's sure nice to receive things at times. And although it's been a number of years since I've seen the movie Pay It Forward, it offers that message that we receive things. We may not be able to offer gratitude to the person directly, but we pay it forward to the next person and pay it forward over and over again. And in essence, that is how we show our gratitude to God, not only thanking God, but paying it forward, living that life of gratitude, which is full of paying it forward. Gratitude is two parts. It involves recognizing the mercy that has touched our lives, but it is also then perceiving the opportunity to now be merciful merciful to another. When we're truly grateful in this way, showing mercy towards others because of the mercy that God has shown us and that others have shown us, our gratitude is more than just saying thank you. It's a demonstration of God in our lives. And in effect, we are paying it forward. And we no longer need the thank yous in return. For we have already received our thanks. Maybe Meister Eckhart was right all along. Maybe the only prayer I need to say in my life is thank you. Amen.